Good morning, everybody. I'm so happy to be here for this opportunity of, be, of being here once more to share some thoughts on God's Word with you. And thank you so much if you're joining us online. Thank you so much for being here in person today. Uh, actually, I would like to take this opportunity uh, to uh, let you know that I was promoted. Yes, that's the time you say, yes. Yeah, because I got to preach a second time in less than a year. That's a promotion for me. That's good, right? For me, it's good. Not sure for you. Happy 4th of July. By the way, uh, I'm not sure if there is some irony on it, but Larry might have a good reason to invite the most American of your pastors to preach on the 4th of July. So I'm here today. Uh, and, uh, but I, I think that uh, I consider today America, United States, Texas, Valley Ranch, my home, and you guys are my family, so I think I can celebrate the 4th of July, which is in its core freedom, right? That's what we celebrate, right? So I like to celebrate freedom because that's exactly what Jesus can offer uh, to you. You know, when you have Jesus in your life, he can give you freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from the brokenness of this world, freedom that lasts forever. So today's passage brings us to a place that was lost within idolatry, and the Apostle Paul proactively does something to offer this freedom to that people that we were just talking about. So uh, he does that in a very uh, particular way that I would like to explore with you today, and I was so happy when Larry told me that I would preach on this passage today, because this passage is a, a passage where uh, we explore in a grow group that Woody Conrad and I lead, the Starting Point Grow Group. Starting Point, by the way, is a group designed for new believers, people that are exploring Christianity, people that for some reason they were drifted away from church and they are exploring their way back to church. So that's the right group for this kind of people. And Andy Stanley does a great job uh, uh, helping us to reflect on the Starting point of our faith. So if you've been to uh, Starting Point Grow Group before, some of what we are going to talk today might be familiar to you. And uh, these are some of the questions that we wrestle with. Why do you believe? Why do you believe in what you believe? Is that because somebody told you? Is that because you read it somewhere? As an adult, are you able to share the starting point of your faith? So, uh, if you are here with us today, and if you are not Christian yet, uh, you don't have to choose Christianity as your uh, faith. I hope you do, honestly. But uh, I would like to invite you to pay special attention to this conversation that Paul was having with the philosophers in Athens and see if you might find the answers that you are looking for. So most of what I have to say today is for believers, and uh, we'll see the strategy that Paul used uh, to relate to people that were different from him. And uh, what is interesting here is that this can be applied for the setting, the Christianity setting, but also can be applied for us as parents, as we relate to our children, or as neighbors, as we try to build relationships with a neighbor next door. So 
Maybe after church you want to pay me a lunch just to thank me for this valuable advice that I'm about to give you. I would like to invite you to open your Bibles in the book of Acts chapter six, uh, 17 verses 16 through 34. Chapter 17 verses 16 through 34. And you, can, you are more than welcome to open your cell phone, your Bible app. So here's what Luke, the author of the book of Acts, reported about what he saw in Athens. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him up and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what is this new teaching is that you are presenting you are bringing some strange and new ideas to our ears. And we want to know, we want to learn what they mean. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I can see that you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are his offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard him talking about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, 
we want to hear you again on that subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus. Also, a woman named Damaris and a number of others. Let's give a hand to Greg. Thank you so much. I think we're good to go. Go in peace. God bless you. We are done. So at this point in his journey, Paul and Silas were just in prison in Philippi. And they were released. So Paul came through a couple of cities. And then finally he got to Athens. Uh, Verse 16, let's look at verse 16, says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed, disturbed to see that the city was full of idols. You know, Paul identified the need of that city and felt the pain of seeing them not having access through redemption in Jesus Christ. You know, he felt exactly what we feel when we see a friend, a family member, or like in Paul's case, the whole city Lacking God's grace and the transformational relationship with Jesus. We feel the pain when we see that. And Paul felt that too. He felt compassion. And compassion made him do something about it. Or at least it should do it to us. When we feel compassion, we feel the need to do something about it. So Paul realized how far they were from God. We'll see in the next verses that Paul acknowledged that they were very religious. But they were channeling that in a wrong direction. Something needed to be done. It's clear here. Paul did what, of what all of us should do. He found the facts and then he acted. You know, in my house, things work in a different way. It's not always that I need to find the facts to act. Usually Priscilla, my wife, is the one that finds the facts. It's like she's in the kitchen. Oh, we don't have coffee fact, I am the one that goes and buys the coffee. Or she is driving, well, I think we're running out of gas. Fact, I am the one that goes and puts some gas in her car. I'm not indifferent to that. Verse 17 and 18, they say that uh, Paul was reasoning in the synagogue. He was talking with Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. And I love this readiness to share that we see in Paul was a lifestyle. You know, I love what uh, uh, Paul, the way that Paul is always ready to engage in conversations about faith. And I love what Paul. Uh, 1 Peter verse, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 15 says, Always be prepared to share, to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. It might not feel natural at first, and I would love for all of us to have this lifestyle, but it might feel weird the first times, but when it becomes a lifestyle, it's, it's going to be easier and easier and more natural. So, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him as they saw Paul talking about faith. And let me pause here. The Epicurean are those guys that believe that every single problem of your life can be solved through pleasure. So, give me a glass of wine, let's relax, and everything's going to be okay. 
The Stoic, on the other hand, they believe that you need to work hard to find the solutions for your problem, but you will. If you have a to-do list, you work hard, you will figure that out. And let me tell you, these guys are alive and very well today. They're out there, so be careful. So they were debating with Paul, and some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And this was a big deal there because, you know, introducing a new god could be something dangerous. You know, when they first heard Paul talking about the gospel, they thought that Paul was trying to introduce two new gods, Jesus and the goddess, resurrection. They thought it wasn't a diff another god. And that was a big deal because this could split the city. This could bring war. You need authorization from these guys, the philosophers, to introduce a new God here. So come here. We want to talk to you about it. So this speech and the willingness that Paul had to share the gospel raised the attention of people in Athens. Verse 19 and 20 tells us that they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. And actually, this is a place that you can visit today. You can see the place where Paul gave this speech today. So I, I know some of you have been there. And uh, this is in my bucket list. Hopefully one day I'll have the chance to be there. But he was brought to this place, a very important place to talk with the authorities. And they said to him, may we know what is this new teaching that you are presenting to our people here? You are bringing some different, strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know exactly what you mean about that. But what do you do when there is nothing in common? What do you do when there is no common ground from where you will start the conversation from? So after all of this background, this is exactly where we'll find out the first point for today. When you don't have this background, when you don't have common ground, you start where they are. You start where they are. The ideas that Paul was presenting to that people, they were not familiar to them. You remember, we clearly see that the Gospels was something totally different from there and distant from their reality. They've never heard of that. They were familiar with the gods of mythology. Zeus, Poseidon, Hades, Artemis, anything different from that wouldn't make sense for them, right? So, they've never heard of the God we serve. They've never heard of Jesus and his sacrifice. Do we need a sacrifice? What is that about? You know, they never heard about the God that created everything, that created us. They didn't know that once men felt... They didn't know that Israel was captive for 400 years. They didn't know about the desert, the Red Sea, Moses and the Ten Commandments. They didn't know that for hundreds of years, God was promising a Savior. Why do I need a Savior for? I don't understand. They never read the Old Testament. And there was no New Testament at that point. So what is the point of bringing a perspective on something they were unfamiliar to? Where to start? What should be Paul's starting point here? So verse 22 says that Paul then stood up in the meeting and then he started to say, people of Athens. And I wish I could have the, 
voice of Greg, Greg's voice here to, to tell in a better way, but people of Athens, I see that you are very religious. I see that you have these altars. I see you have these idols here. You are uh, doing offerings here. And actually, I saw this altar with inscription to an unknown God. And actually, you have a picture of this altar that you saw earlier today. This is actually uh, an altar to an unknown God that was found in, in Rome uh, with the same purpose. And this is kind of hard to, to read, but this is Latin. And it's basically saying, I don't care if you don't read Latin because I'll keep writing in it so you can't read it. I'm kidding, of course, I'm kidding. It's basically saying to, dedicated to an unknown God and placed here by the authorization of the Senate. Remember, it was a big deal. To place an author to a God in the city, you needed authorization by the Senate. And the last line says exactly that. It was authorized by the Senate to be here. So Paul settled the grounds where he would spend some time with them. And that's exactly what would engage his, the attention of his audience. He started where they were. They want to talk about religion? Okay, let's talk about religion. But I'll bring you a new perspective on it. Like I said, there was no point for Paul to bring a Jewish perspective to the table because none of that would make sense for them. It would in the first conversations. Remember, Paul was having with the Jews and God-fearing because they knew exactly what Paul was talking about. You know, so for them, uh, would, it would make sense for Paul to bring all of that to light and make a progression to help them to understand the reason for the coming of Jesus and then what Jesus had done. But not in this case, not to the Athenians. Do you see the importance of finding common ground to start a conversation? That's what we might do as parents, as neighbors. As a church. You know, uh, I needed to have a conversation with my, my, my girls. And you know, I have two daughters, 10 and 9 years old. And I called them and put them seated. And I thought, if, they, if I want them to understand what I'm saying, I need to speak their language. You know, this age, they have their dialect, right? Their own language. So I called them, sit here, I need to talk to you. And then I said, hey, yo, what's up? <laughs> My oldest daughter, she was like, what are you trying to say? So it didn't work well in that case. But I tried, yeah. You know, in our ESL ministry, before pandemic, we used to have uh, people from over 30 different countries speaking over 30 different languages. And it was neat to see hundreds of students coming to the church on a given day uh, to take their English classes. Now, would you imagine yourself in my shoes greeting these people not knowing anything about them, who they are, what they like, what they don't like? What you, would you do to start a conversation? Some of them would come with those long faces, not because they were mad, but because they were afraid. This is a different country, a different culture. They know nothing here. 
So here's what I usually do. I would make sure that I would learn a few words in their own language, like a good morning, let's say. And as they come, I will greet them in their language. Buenos dias, como esta? Or, for example, in Japanese, ohayo gozaimasu. Or maybe something in Tamil, yepati yere Can you imagine their response every time that I do that in their own language? Those long faces would become smiles, huge smiles. And that's the interesting part. They would start to ask questions. Do you know my language? How come? Opening the doors for conversations. I can't forget one of the first times that I came to VRBC and Lester Bell was in the lobby greeting with the welcome team. And then as I was coming with my family, he said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Brazil. And then he said, bom dia, tudo bem? Como você está? I was amazed to hear something in my own language. And that was one of the things that made me stop and think, this place feels different. There's something different about this church. So, maybe I would like to challenge you here. And maybe it's time for you to try to learn something about your neighbor, about your co-worker. Where is he from? What does she like? What language they speak? What kind of sports they like? And maybe engaging some conversations with them. So Paul acknowledged their search for the spiritual component of their lives. The Athenians, they were clearly looking for something. You know, as we are created by God, it's natural for us at some point of our life to turn to God, looking for something. There's some, something wired in our system, that uh, a gap that makes us search for something that would fill that gap. And that was not different for the Athenians. They were constantly seeking, but they were not finding. Paul also confronted them in what they were missing. They were looking everywhere, but they were not finding. You have the altars, you have the idols, you even have this altar here to the unknown God. But you don't know this God. Because they didn't have intimacy with that God. But Paul was ready, and then he said, you know, I know this God. And I'll tell you more about it. Just an interesting fact here, uh, the reason for them to have that altar in the city was just uh, uh, insurance, some, sor some sort of insurance to avoid catastrophe. You know, we're going to place this altar to this God that we don't know here just in case so he won't get mad at us. And Andy Stanley says this, this is like those people that go to church just on Easter and Christmas, just in case. You know, in Brazil, I grew up seeing people as they were passing by the Catholic Church uh, on the bus or by walking or even driving through this sign here. And I was intrigued by that. And one day, I, I caught myself sometimes just doing, you know, just because I saw someone doing. But one day I asked, why are you doing this? And this person told me, oh, you, you know, we are passing by the, the church here, so I'm paying my respects you know, just in case. But do you go to this church? No, 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 I don't go to this church, but just in case, you know. Just in case. Verses 27 and 29, Paul continues his speech to the, to the Athenians. And I would like to highlight two statements in particular here. He says, he says for in him we live and move and have our being. Paul is directly quoting 
Greek philosophers here. And then he goes on saying, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Another quote from a Greek poet. So finding common ground and be mindful of his audience didn't make Paul accept their beliefs. So more than once, we saw here, Paul quoted Greek philosophers, and in a certain way, he used that to call for the attention of his audience, to make sure that they were paying attention. But more than that, he was showing them that he knew them. He knew them. But it doesn't mean that Paul was accepting or even uh, sharing, agreeing with their beliefs. When it comes to this kind of spiritual conversations, it's very important for you to know where you're stepping in. Let me share another, it's an, not another, but an embarrassing story that happened to me in our ESL ministry here. And I'm sorry if I'm talking too much about ESL here, but I think, I believe that this is a missionary field that, at, that comes right at our door. And uh, a lot of what we are talking here relates very well with uh, what we experience in this ministry. So this lady, one day, this lady from level one came and she cooked some cookies from her country and brought it to share with her class. But she shared not only with a class, but with several other people like myself. And I was so grateful that she brought something to church to share that I wanted to thank her. And to be honest with you, I wasn't paying attention to what she was wearing or where she was from. But my focus was the human being that took time and resources and energy to cook something and bring to share at the church. So I went to her class to thank her for her generosity. And as I was coming, she was standing by the door and I came with my hand. Hey, thank you so much for bringing these cookies. I'm so thankful. But before I finished my statement, she jumped back and said, I'm so sorry. But I cannot touch another man. She was Muslim. But the fact, the interesting fact is that I think she could see my intentions. And then this is the cool part of the story. She was wearing this scarf under, uh, around her head and her neck. And then she placed her hand underneath the scarf and gave me to shake it. You see... She was a Muslim, and she had a rule in her religion to not touch any man's hand. But she was flexible enough to understand what I believe. I, I don't see a problem in that, you know. She probably haven't done that before, and she probably don't believe she needs to change her beliefs. But she was flexible to understand my beliefs so we could have a conversation. So what is the point? The point is that knowing something about what your neighbor believes, what your teenage son or daughter think, think about politics, uh, the context where your mom grew up so she behaves in the way that she behaves, it's because that's the only thing she knows, helps you to understand and to break the first barrier for dialogue and to have a conversation. Maybe today you feel ready to serve in a ministry like ESL. Maybe you feel ready to step out of your comfort zone and serve in this ministry. If so, let us know in our connection card and I'll personally follow up with you this week. 
So the next verse tells us about the, the conclusion of Paul's speech in Athens, and it's exactly where I would like to spend some more time. Verse 31 says that God has set a day when he would judge the world with justice by the man, Jesus, that he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. And that's the core, the heart of Paul's message here. Jesus and the resurrection. Something that happened at that time. At this point, we can notice, if you pay attention to the, the scripture, to the report that Luke gave us, that Paul was not reciting the Old Testament or teaching them the history of the people of Israel. First of all, because it didn't make sense for them. Remember, like I said before, they didn't know about God. They didn't know about the Exodus. They've never heard about Moses. What to do then? Maybe share something that is written in the Gospels? There was no Gospels at that time. The New Testament wasn't being, hasn't been written at that point. This event took place just 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. So now, here's the main point for the message today. Paul did what we should do in a situation like that. He shared something he knew. He shared his own transformational experience. And that's exactly what makes people pay attention to you, to any of us, you know. Paul knew that what he knew, not because he read it somewhere, but based on his experience, based on what he saw, based on what he witnessed. Paul was able to share about Jesus. Because he knew people that saw the risen body of Jesus, that walked with Jesus. And more than that, they were willing to die for this same Jesus. Paul didn't have, didn't have to have a sequence of Bible verses memorized. And please listen, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying these things are not important. They are super important. The disciplines of memorizing, the discipline of reading the scripture, spending time in God's word. What I'm saying is that sometimes you need to be flexible enough to take a different approach. You have to have a different strategy. Like in this case here. So, Paul didn't have to quote the scholars of the New Testament to share the good news. He was speaking Something that happened and impacted him and also a lot of people of his time. Christianity became what it is today because something extraordinary happened. God has done something. He raised someone from the dead, right? And at first, these people believed that Jesus was dead, but they came back. And they were eyewitnesses of a resurrected Jesus. If the church... It is here today. Remember, in the first week of this series, we talked that the church started with 120 people. And today, we are 2.3 billion people spread around the globe. And around history, we were billions and billions and billions of people because something extraordinary happened. Jesus resurrected and proved that he was God. He is God. Amen? And that's exactly the base, the foundation of Paul's message. And people were willing to die for that. The point for, for today is, first of all, remember, be ready to share, to give an answer to everyone who asks the reason of the hope that you have. 
what I'm going to say, Arthur. What I'm going to share. The interesting fact is that we don't know how much we know until somebody who doesn't know starts to ask questions. Then you start to realize, well, maybe I know one or two things. Yeah, I think, I think maybe I can share something that I've been experienced in my life. Maybe I know a lot. I remember that time I was struggling with my parents in hospital and something happened. You know, I remember that time that I lost my job and something happened. I remember that time that I was blessed in a very unexplainable and unexpected way. Something happened. Something happened. And I can share that. Even if you can't figure out what to say, ask people you trust that can help you figure that out. That's why I love Grow Groups. You know, Grow Group is the perfect and safe place to get trained, to ask questions, and to be ready to share your story. So today, I don't have a closing story for this sermon here. But instead, because we are in this mission together, I'll, have, I'll give you the chance to ask me a question, which is, Arthur, your turn. Share your story. Why do you believe in all of this? Why do you believe in what you believe? And I'll tell you. I believe because Matthew walked with Jesus and saw his risen body, and then he wrote about it. I believe because John witnessed all the miracles performed by Jesus. Then he saw Jesus being crucified, and three days later, he also saw the resurrected Jesus with him, and he wrote about it. I believe because Paul was the persecuted of the church, had an extraordinary experience on the road of Damascus, and he also he was able to meet James, the brother of Jesus. He met Peter, he met John and the other apostles, the eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus. And Paul was willing to die for that. Paul actually died indeed for Jesus. And he shared about this story. I believe because this Jesus that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, and others wrote about, he changed my life. When I thought that I was not worthy because of my transgressions, because of my sin, I could hear Jesus' sweet voice saying, I am with you, Arthur, and I'll not drive you away. I could feel God's hand with me, assuring me that I have value for him. I believe because every single day I see God at work in your life, in your life, in your life, in your life, and he's transforming, he's forgiving, he's sustaining you and me because in Jesus I have freedom isn't it what we celebrate on the 4th of July freedom one day this very country was declared free from bondage from oppression and this is what Jesus is about he can free you and if Jesus sets you free you're free indeed now this is your takeout box for today. The world is out there. The Athenians 
are out there, and they're hungry, hungry, looking for something that can truly complete the hole that they have in their hearts. And you have an answer for that. Yeah, you and you. You might need some time to think about it. You might need a second to figure that out. But you have that answer. Just look around you. Just look in you. What has Jesus done for you? The world is waiting for that answer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We are grateful, God, because one single event transformed the world and gave us access to the amazing grace of God, to salvation. And we want to thank you for that. Help us, God, to see the world out there in that same way that you see it. Help us, God, to see the Athenians that are looking for something that can fill the gap that they have in their hearts, God. But more than that, above all things, God, help us to share our own personal experience. Give us the strength. Give us the courage. Help us to be bold enough to share where we are and to meet the needs of these Athenians out there, God. Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. Please bless this church. Bless these families, God. And stay with us in every single moment of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.